Is there any future for virtual reality in theme parks? David Schaefer from Falcon's Creative Group joined me to talk about what theme parks have done with VR and how they can do better with it in the future. Is VR just a first step toward augmented reality? Or can theme parks create VR attractions that leave fans thrilled instead of frustrated? Let's dive in. When the idea of virtual reality in theme parks kind of first came out, uh, I think a lot of us, myself included, thought, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. This is going to be wonderful. And a lot of other people said, this cannot possibly work. And now a few years in, we're still kind of divided between people who think this is the greatest thing ever and other people who said, you know, it's like Jeff Goldblum and, and Jurassic <laughs> Park. You were thinking about whether or not you could do it, never thought about whether you should. So I guess my first question is, uh, for you as a designer, what do you see that makes virtual reality in a theme park something worth pursuing? You know, virtual reality is it's great medium, I think, that can really stretch the boundaries of the theme park experience. I think, you know, part of the reason we see the, the public so divided on the topic is, you know, how it's been embraced and, and how it's been interpreted in the theme parks. And, you know, us as designers, we're strong advocates for, and not just for VR, but, but really for all technology that technology should be used as a tool to tell a story or make the experience. It, it shouldn't be what the experience is about, you know. So in other words, you know, you don't, you don't want it to be about the technology. Instead, the technology should play a supportive role to, to communicate the, the story or the experience. And I, I think that's one of the challenges with VR because it is, you know, so in your face, it's very difficult to make the technology feel ubiquitous as much as we'd like it to. You know, that, that certainly is a challenge with VR. So, you know, I, th I think it's a really important question that needs to be discussed more often is not can we do B VR, but should we do VR? And, and, and with a lot of developers and some of our clients, you know, that, that's a conversation we encourage. Um, it certainly is a trend, but, but that doesn't mean, you know, it's going to meet their goals or it's going to satisfy their needs. So it, it's an important conversation to be having up front. Yeah, with theme park media, you don't have that disconnect that often exists between the movement of the camera and the movement that the audience is feeling. And you're, if you're in a traditional theater at home, you're sitting stationary. The camera's moving. That can make you feel a little bit weird. On a, on a dark ride or a motion simulator or a 4D theater, you can experience the movement, which gives the camera the opportunity to move around more. But if the viewer can move their point of view at the same time that the camera can move around. I mean, is that too much for people or is that just a really cool new opportunity? <laughs> I, I think it can be a really cool opportunity, but it's something, you know, any developer, designer, producer needs to be acutely aware of because it, it can get out of control very, very quickly. You know, I, I kind of use the analogy of, being on a simulator and wearing VR, you could replicate the experience of driving in a car or on an airplane. You know, when you when you're sitting in a car, the car has its own movement and mm -hmm. That, that is similar to the motion-based platform, and that's going to, you know, react to bumps or, or movement of the forward camera motion. But as a passenger, whether you're sitting, you know, in a car or on a motion base, you have the, 
ability to look out, you know, your front windshield or you can look to the side, you know, and that that doesn't really change, you know, the experience. But as we all know, you know, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, if they're sitting in the backseat of a car, they tend to get motion sickness or um, if they're looking the wrong way. So, you know, we found that it's something you can truly enhance the experience, but you need to be aware of it and, and kind of routinely be testing that through the development process because, Pretty quickly, it can get away from you, and and you know, it, it a little movement can go a long way on simulators and and especially in VR. So, we see it as an asset, but one that you just have to be you know careful with and, and use in the right way. Talk me through your experience with what your team did for Bush Gardens and what you learned from that experience? So I I think Busch Gardens for us was a a really exciting and kind of unique example of VR in a theme park. I think, you know, a lot of what we're seeing out there is VR being added to existing, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, roller coasters Mm -hmm. or existing rides. And, and I think that I'm not going to discount that because I think that there, there's a role for that. I think, you know, there's an opportunity for parks to refresh some old attractions. In the case of Busch Gardens, though um, it, there there was an existing motion simulator but basically it was stripped down and we started the attraction development for this from the ground up so we we worked with the, the bush gardens and SeaWorld team to develop a, a completely unique story a completely custom uh, you know characters and story arc and really develop the whole ride and the whole ride experience from the ground up now of course you know we leveraged the existing assets of the motion base but right. um, that that gave us the freedom to kind of you know say this is going to be a, a bespoke custom VR attraction and I think I think that was really unique here so we, we had the freedom to we, we use techniques for example of actually when we were producing the media using the motion of the camera in the virtual CGI media production extracting that data and and loading that into the motion profile of the this the motion bases that's just cool yeah yeah well and it takes it 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 eliminates that that kind of human factor of interpretation of movement and and really makes it you know computer accurate so things like that really help with you know reducing uh, nausea and and motion sickness things like that you know it's it's when the the visual cues of the motion are not perfectly aligned with the physical motion, that's when you start to get motion sick. So if, if those are really tightly connected, which we were able to do in this ride, um, the, the results are, are you know that much more spectacular. So overall, the Busch Gardens attraction um, was really exciting, and, and I think it is, is very successful and, and continues to be re- well-received because of that, that kind of approach from the ground up. Like, we're going to start out from day one. Let's figure out how to build uh, a very operator-friendly, very you know user-friendly, great guest experience VR attraction from the ground up. And, and you, know, you know, what will that take? And, and I think coming at it from that mindset rather than saying, you know, oh, we have an existing attraction, let's add VR to it. It was more about let's create a VR attraction. And I, I think that that's a big differentiator that, that 
needs needs to happen more often. I think that's where the future is. When you start thinking along those lines, then you can solve a lot of the challenges and problems um, that that VR can bring, um, and you know leverage it to its fullest capability. What are some of those problems that you're overcoming by starting from scratch? Hygiene and I think operations are are two big ones. Um, I was just about to get there. Yeah. That's, so, that's so the number one complaint we're hearing from people is it's the slow loading because you got to deal with the headsets and it's the steeviness that okay, who else has been wearing this today? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and so you know, with with trying to add VR onto a roller coaster, very often you know they're limited with the load station configurations that are already existing, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they're in very tight spaces and, 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 or, or they're limited in, in the types of equipment they can actually put on the coaster. And, and so, you know, it, it becomes a, a challenge because it is a, an applique versus on uh, battle for ire attraction. We were able to think about those problems from day one and the, the solution for that attraction kind of addressed both those at the same time. We develop basically a head mount, we call it, um, which is it's basically a, a custom uh, headwear, uh, which is all, all plastic and it's adjustable and it's handed out before. While, while guests are in the queue line before they even enter the pre-show. And it's basically, uh, you know, a, a piece of headgear that guests put on. Um, it ratchet, ratchets in the back just kind of uh, just like a hard hat might, um, so you can adjust it and fit it onto your head appropriately. Makes for a great photo op because, of course, you know, guests look kind of silly wearing it, but at the right. same time, it, it's memorable. So we see guests taking selfies wearing these things, and, and that's, you know, great for the park. So guests are fitted up with this piece while they're in the pre-show, so well before they even enter the theater, they're well prepared and have it all adjusted and you know, sized for their head. Then once they enter the theater, it's as simple as them sitting in their seat, picking up the HMD or, or the, the actual VR display device, and it magnetically clips onto the front of that unit. So once it clips on, um, the magnets basically align it and it's centered in your eyes. No part of that HMD unit is even touching your face, so it's held off with the, mm-hmm. the, the head mask that you're wearing. Um, and then at the end of the experience, when you pull the, the HMD off, put it back in the cradle, as you're exiting the attraction, just like you would on a traditional like 4D theater, you take that head mount, throw it in a bin, and it runs through a dishwasher just like the traditional 3D glasses would. So, you know, we're solving two things. One, we're, we're operationally, we're prepping them before they even enter the theater. So the loading is much more efficient, much faster. You work out all those kinks before guests are even in the theater to make sure you're maximizing that that loading time. Um, And then two, the hygiene issue is solved because basically the the portion that is um, touching the, the face and the head is washed between every single use. I mean, it's certainly a unique and novel solution. Did you give any thought to the idea of actually going a more traditional route, but putting the units on, the VR units on, actually in the queue and then making the loading part of the VR process. I, from what I understand that Europa Park is now doing that with mm-hmm. uh, with their coaster. Was there any consideration of doing that with Bush Gardens? Yeah, I, that was discussed. I, I think um, it... it it, it comes down to pros and cons of the different types of systems that are out there. Uh, right. if, if I'm not mistaken, I think Europa Park is probably using the, the Samsung Gear, which mm-hmm. is a, a wireless uh, um, capable headset. 
In the case of Bush Gardens, it, it was important to try to get you know, some higher frame rate and slightly higher resolution, things like oh, that, yeah. to, to improve the the quality of the movie. And so for for Battle for Ire, we actually use HTC Vive headsets, which are tethered. So in that scenario, you know, there actually is a cable that is connected to the HMD that is you know wired through that that motion base. So from that standpoint, you know, we we had to weigh kind of those operational pros and cons against the capabilities and and specifications of the system. So that kind of led us down that path. And at the same time, I think you you always got to be thinking about kind of safety aspects of of loading and and right. you know. I, I, you know, from an operator standpoint, they're certainly sensitive to the the idea of, you know, putting technology in to guest hands because, of course, you're you're going to have a certain percentage of you know units that get broken, get dropped, get damaged. You know, so the more you can kind of prevent against some of that, I think that's the, the better for operators. So it, it certainly was discussed with Battlefire, but but. It was some of those kind of conversations that led us to the solution that we, we ended up moving forward with. Yeah, I mean, those some really great points. You know, Wi-Fi is so ubiquitous that I think for a lot of fans, you kind of overlook the fact that uh, there are some bandwidth restrictions with that. I mean, we've all yeah. experienced it where the, where the Wi-Fi starts choking in the park and you're like, oh, darn it. And, you know, that wired yep. connection can really allow you to do some neat things with, uh, with exactly. uh, resolution. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's where I think we're seeing technology is evolving quickly. I, I, I can imagine, and we're, we're probably only a few years away, you know, actually maybe even shorter than that, where you start to see some of the, you know, 5G technologies, things right, like that, right. that, that is going to allow for, you know, wireless that is much higher speed, much more reliable, higher bandwidth, all those things. So I, I, I'm sure we'll get there. Um, but, you know, for right now, you, you've, it's a balancing act of saying, you know, wh- which, you know, what's most important here, what do I want to achieve? It, it kind of goes back to that, that point I was trying to make in the beginning is, you know, you, you want you got to kind of identify your goals for the attraction early on and let those guide you in your decision-making process for what technology you're going to use. You know, so if, if you set out and say, I want the most kick-butt visual high-res media attraction, you know, that's a very different aspect from saying, I want something that has total guest freedom that they can walk around and watch right. a movie. You know, I mean, right. those are, you know, those will take you on very different paths. So having some of that criteria identified early on really can help guide you in that decision process. Talking about the show itself, was there some consideration about doing a show that was filmed in real life, if you will, as opposed to something that was mostly computer generated animated? I mean, uh, Kind of talking through what the pros and cons of that in a VR environment would be. You know, they're they're both valid approaches. I think again, it kind of goes back to that idea of you know w- what is the vision for the attraction, what are right. you you know trying to achieve. In this case, you know, as we worked with with the park to develop the story, you know, they wanted to kind of get into some of the mythology and folklore okay. of Ireland. And so that, that very quickly kind of led us down the path of, look, we, we want to be a, a little more fantasy-driven. We want to be a, a little younger demographic to make it family-friendly. Okay. So, you know, that led us to this path of being, you know, full CGI. Both are viable solutions in this scenario. I think it, it made the most sense to give us the freedom of, of in the CGI production to, you know, 
basically follow our imagination, um, being full CGI versus, uh, you know, live film. But, right. um, I think given another, you know, a, another client or another park that might have different goals, it would be cool to see, you know, things that, that include live footage as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the idea of a VR travelogue film is, yeah, I will, I'll watch that. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, there's been a, little talk, a lot of talk within the fan community about where this whole VR thing is taking us. Is this going down its own path, or is this just kind of a transition into a future where things are driven more by augmented reality, where we're experiencing the physical reality of this fantastic theme park that the companies have spent millions and millions of dollars to create, as we are also looking at uh, filmed media. What do you think about that? Is, can, can VR sustain it on its own, or is it just a transition into AR for us? I think it's it can be all of the above. I think VR is giving us, uh, you know, great lessons and techniques to expand into augmented reality. But I think AR can still have a place. VR and AR uh, have have plenty of room for growth. And I think as, as the technology advances in both areas, you'll start to see a more obvious kind of differentiation between the two and the type of experiences they can deliver. One of the big differentiators or, or, or challenges right now with VR is that it has kind of a isolationist feeling to it. So, you know, when you put on a VR headset, you're, you're feel like you're sitting alone and you lose that connection to the family members or friends sitting next to you. Whereas with AR, you know, in theory, you would still be able to see them sitting next to you and, and you're together experiencing this, uh, an augmented uh, reality. However, we're seeing advancements with VR that's starting to kind of solve some of those challenges as well, too. So we believe in the end there's going to be a place for both of these. And, it, again, it really comes back to, you know, the goals for the experience. I think both technologies offer some great, great aspects. I don't think AR has to replace VR. I think it, it, it even though you might consider it a progression, it is somewhat of a different experience. So I think that they both can live together. Bringing in that social element, I think, is really fascinating because some of the VR installations that we've seen going in places like, you know, shopping malls and stuff, they really kind of build on the entertainment model of a video game and that you'll have like teams of people working together. Do you think theme parks need to go more in the direction of, of interactivity with, with, uh, with their, where VR attractions or, or uh, do kind of scale constraints just make that too difficult to, uh, to make as the next step here? No, I think it's a, a direction that, that the theme parks will be heading into and, and are heading into. I think, you know, the consumer VR kind of gaming community, you know, it's always going to be a different approach because, you know, in, in your you know, home living room, you can dedicate hours to be advancing a, a right. game plot where, you know, certainly in the theme park, you know, it's it's a much abridged situation. However, I, I mean, we strongly believe and, and are 
doing R&D research now on, on how to introduce more interactivity. Um, you know, what it really comes down to is having a greater connection with the experience. And, and that yeah. can be done in a whole bunch of different ways. I think interactivity is, is a very strong and powerful one. You know, it, it, it increases that connection, but it also can increase, you know, rewritability and, and can add a competitive layer potentially and things like that. So definitely I think there's potential for that. I think it will, continue to be uh, a different type of experiences than the kind of the home gaming VR setup, but definitely think there's room for that. Talking about the home environment, is this something that the market for that needs to expand in order to make VR more attractive to more theme parks? Or do you see just a lot of initiative coming from the parks themselves saying, you know, this is something that we want to pursue and we're not going to wait for the public to fall in love with this at home first. Yeah, I, that's a interesting question. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure to be honest. I think, um, you know, we've looked at some, some metrics and, and it's, you know, our, our company and our team, we're so in tune with uh, the various VR technologies. So to us, it seems so commonplace. But some of the statistics we've seen is, you know, of the general population, the percentage of people that have put on a VR headset is shockingly small. Yeah. And so when you enter, uh, you know, an attraction like Battle for Ire uh, at Busch Gardens, we're finding that that by far the vast majority of guests riding that ride, this is their very first VR experience. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think that can present a really great opportunity for theme parks because of that. They can I, I think they can actually expand you know the potential of VR. But again, I think it kind of comes back to the importance of developing VR from the ground up and being purposeful because I think you know then it then the experience is, is that much better. You know, wh- what we'd hate to see is for people to kind of get turned off by VR because, right. you know, they, they, they had to wait, on, you know, twice as long to get onto the roller coaster because of the operational challenges of VR. And now they're saying, you know, now they're turned off to it and saying, gosh, VR isn't worth it. And I had to wait so much longer. You know, I mean, that's kind of sad for all of us if, if that's the case. So I, I think it's an opportunity for parks to kind of be ahead of the curve and leverage uh, the opportunity to have something fresh and unique that much of the public has not yet experienced but it needs to be done in the right way. Right. So do you think, Val, for your, is, uh, what's the reaction that you're getting from guests on this? We're thrilled. I mean, we, we've, uh, you know, kept an eye on, uh, you know, some of the blogs and, you know, uh, discussion forums and things like that. Right. And, and it's been very, very positive. So um, we're excited. I mean, we think it, it, it really is, is a good step forward in, in that type of experience. So, you know, we're, we're excited to, continue that journey and and hope to to build on that as a design team what's the message that you're carrying forward from this project to other parks that are thinking about well you know what should my next attraction be Uh, it's really that that first point you know let let First, discuss, you know, what are your goals? And, and if you want to do a new attraction, what are your goals for that attraction? And then let's enter into the conversation of, you know, what are the technologies that can deliver that type of experience? And, and if that leads us towards VR, 
awesome. That's great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. You know, I think we will find that VR is more successful when um, it's the right solution for for the attraction rather than kind of being you know forced upon upon a guest. So you know really that that's a, a common dialogue that that we like to reinforce with all of our clients is you know let's let's work together on what your goals are and then let let the technology kind of fall out of that rather than coming in first with saying you know it's got to be a, a VR attraction. Let's let's make sure that that's the right thing to do first. Okay, great. I, I think that's actually a pretty good note to wrap up on there. Is there anything else you want to throw into this conversation that you think uh, fans would like to know? Yeah, I, I guess a little bit of a shameless plug. I, I can't give a lot Go of right details, ahead. but the IAPA convention is coming up uh, this November. It always takes place at the Orlando Convention Center, and um, Falcons will be having a trade show booth there. Um, and we're, we're actually going to be unveiling augmented reality headset that we're calling Falcons Vision. And so as we get a little closer, it'd be great to you know, maybe connect with you again. We could share some, some details, and we're going to be basically launching that product. And uh, I think it's going to be really exciting. I think it, it offers a lot of unique solutions and, and advancements uh, in the AR world that will work perfectly for the theme park and entertainment environment. Well, I'm going to amplify the plug because I will be there at IAPA this, this year, as we always are, and there will be plenty of coverage from the show floor on ThemeParkInsider.com and also on the podcast. So we'll make sure that we connect uh, and uh, and take a little look at the, at the Falcon Vision for that as well. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great to learn a little bit more about uh, what's really happening with virtual reality in the theme park world, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. You bet. Thank you. We'll see you okay. at IAPA.